Hello and welcome to the Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. This is your host, Michael Benner, and each week we bring you a personal and spiritual development premium training, and we podcast the first 20 minutes of it. We call that the free form. It's available through the iTunes Store and also Stitcher On Demand Radio for your mobile devices. Our topic this week One of my favorites, actually, is the nature of fear. We're going to talk about panphobia, the fear of everything, the fear of life itself, and maybe a little about phobophobia, which would be a more specific fear of being afraid. But I say this is one of my favorite topics, and it really is, because when I face my fear— I don't see danger anymore. I've made a practice of facing fear, big fear and little tiny fear, of learning everything I can about fear. And what I've discovered is that it's like fear of the dark. All fear is fear of the unknown. It's a shadow. It's a nightmare. It's a ghost or a specter. It's what you don't know about things that frightens you. And, in fact, there's nothing to be afraid of. So fear is always a bad dream. It's never real. It's the absence of the only thing that is real, which is love as awareness. I don't mean love as an emotion so much as spiritual love, the love of the soul, the love that religion is truly about, the love that is consciousness, the love that is peace and understanding, most of us simply call it awareness. So awareness or spiritual love is real. As Tolstoy and many other great writers have suggested, the only thing that's real. And the absence of that spiritual love, that awareness, is fear. Fear is really a wonderful thing. Fear indicates what you do not know and, more specifically, understand. It is possible to know something and still be afraid of it, know it or not. But when you understand what you know and even understand or become aware of what you do not know, that's when the fear vaporizes and goes away. So, The great transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson was pretty close to nailing it when he said, knowledge is the antidote to fear. But technically, you need to go just a little bit further to understanding. That's the real antidote. And what's the difference between knowledge and understanding? Well, although you can know something without understanding it, You cannot understand something you do not know. So clearly, knowledge precedes understanding. Another word for understanding, awareness, consciousness, or spiritual love is wisdom. And in a very non-religious and non-spiritual way, there is a field of knowledge management that began to emerge with computer and information technology in the late 1980s. And from that field, there is a hierarchy of data, information, knowledge, 
and wisdom. It's called the D-I-K-W hierarchy or D-I-K-W pyramid. And that top tier above knowledge, wisdom, is the same thing as spiritual love or understanding or awareness. You need to be aware of what you know in order for the fear to vaporize. But to at least appreciate that fear does not indicate danger. And when fear seems to be a byproduct of danger, in fact, it simply is a reflection of what you do not know, or again, better said, what you do not understand about the danger. So Again, Emerson's almost right. Knowledge is the antidote to fear. It's really understanding your knowledge. If you want to pick nits, it's an important one. To be aware of what you know, to understand what you know, and what you don't know. That's the antidote to fear. You should really congratulate yourself for your willingness to listen to a program about fear whether we call it panphobia or phobophobia. By the way, there are other words for panphobia, the fear of life, the fear of everything. Sometimes it's called panophobia. Sometimes it's called omnophobia, the fear of everything. It is a little different than phobophobia, which is a fear of phobias. That's not really the fear of anything or the fear of everything. Phobophobia is the fear of phobias, and most people think of that as some sort of extreme obsessive fear on a particular thing, like a fear of spiders or a fear of being closed in, like claustrophobia, or an understandable fear of heights. And people say, well, yeah, these things are dangerous, you know, to be suffocated in an enclosed space or to be bitten by a poisonous spider or to fall off a tall building when none of us has the ability really to fly, that obviously is dangerous. Isn't that what we're afraid of? No. If you look at the vast majority of times that you're afraid and somebody may say to you, well, specifically, Tell me exactly, precisely, what are you afraid of? You'll probably say, well, to be honest with you, I'm really not sure. And so there, isn't that the point? It's not knowing whether the spider is poisonous. It's not knowing whether this enclosed space is getting smaller and whether you're actually running out of air It's not knowing whether you're going to fall off the building and what would happen if you do. It's the not knowing that is frightening. And therefore, all of our fear, the full range of fear from the greatest paralyzing terror and horror and panic to the tiniest little, and this is important, to the tiniest little bit of nervousness or apprehension, or concern, or nonspecific anxiety, or maybe you just call it stress, doesn't matter. From 
apprehension and concern all the way out to panic and terror, everything in between, inclusively anxiety, stress, worry, doubt, nervousness, dread, consternation, trepidation, the willies, the (laughs) heebie-jeebies, don't we have a lot of words for fear, anxiety, and stress? So whatever you call it, and to whatever degree you feel it, it's still fear. It's still F-E-A-R, an acronym, if you will, for false evidence appearing real. In other words, it exists not in the world, but in your imagination. Before concluding the initial part of this, the first 20 minutes of this premium tuition-based training is podcast free, and we call it the free forum. I want to be sure that in this first few minutes, I talk about the stand your ground law in Florida and 20 some other states where people have a right to shoot somebody if they are afraid. We saw this in the Trevon Martin case with George Zimmerman. We saw it again recently, again in the state of Florida, with a fellow named Michael Dunn, who said he shot an unarmed kid in a in a vehicle, an SUV, because he was playing his music too loud, and the loud music made him feel afraid. And so he had a right, according to the Stand Your Ground law, to shoot into that SUV to protect himself from his fear. The important point here that the media is not discussing and the lawmakers, obviously, in the state of Florida and the 20, I think it's 23 states total, 22 other states have not considered, is that fear like any emotion, really cannot be done to you. It can be stimulated and brought out of you, but it cannot be put upon you. Your fear, and this is true for each of us all the time, in every situation, big fear, little bit of nervousness or apprehension or anything in between, it comes out of us as a response. It's our fear. And you can't kill fear by shooting other people. They didn't do it to you. And this is a simple but, for some reason, confusing concept to people who are devoted to playing victim in their lives. This is encouraged by the news media, by their advertisers, by politicians, by public relations and marketing and advertising people, the idea that you are really a target or an effect of life, the victimization of your own feelings. Didn't the Eagles do a song a few years back called Victim of Love? Well, most of us think of ourselves not only as a victim of love, but as a victim of our negative feelings, and maybe even more so, such that somebody can make you angry or disrespect you. They can do that to you. But what if you knew that self-respect would cause you to be immune 
from being disrespected? What if you really understood that? And I'd suggest you reflect upon that. You could even put your MP3 player on pause right now or when this program is done in about five or six minutes. Reflect on this for a little bit. If I have adequate self-respect, then how could somebody disrespect me? How could they take that self-respect away from me? I could not then be dissed. And if I knew that a particular insult that somebody threw at me was not true, hey, Benner, you're a moron, you're an idiot. If I know that's not true, then how could it make me angry? I could refuse to agree and therefore refuse to comply, to feel insulted. I would just look at the person with perhaps compassion, like, what are you trying to do? You you can't build yourself up, so you need to tear me down to relatively feel superior. Gosh, that's sort of pathetic. I have compassion for you. I pity you. I I feel sorry for you, but I'm not angry. You can insult me all you want. I know better. It's only if somebody insults me about something I do not know, you see, or do not understand, something I'm not really fully aware of, that I might question myself and then, in a sense, comply or agree. My favorite quote along these lines comes from Eleanor Roosevelt, the wife of FDR, who wrote famously, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. But it's not simply about feeling inferior. Nobody, I'm suggesting, could disrespect you or make you angry or cause you to feel any emotional hurt, all of which would be rooted in and supported and nourished by fear Panphobia, the fear of everything, the fear of life. Nobody can do that as you know yourself, as you come to understand yourself. That's the real antidote. Awareness, understanding, consciousness, wisdom, spiritual love. Let's just simply call it understanding, the understanding that stands above knowledge or information. It's understanding, it's being aware that vaporizes fear. It's spiritual love that casts out fear. Christ said it, Mohammed said it, Moses said it, Buddha said it, Patanjali or Patanjali, the yoga master of ancient times said it, the ancient Greeks said it, the African shamans and medicine men said it, People from all over the world and time out of mind have said the same thing. Number one, know thyself. All right, that's probably one of the greatest wisdoms of all. And number two, resist not evil, for love exposes it. Understanding and awareness exposes it as an imagination, as a nightmare, a specter, a shadow something that's not real but has value. Remember, fear has value in that it indicates to you what you do not know or understand. 
I want to conclude just the beginning. Stay with us if you're tuition-based and in the premium training. But for the podcast people, I want to conclude with an example of the dashboard of your automobile, your car, your truck, your SUV, your Jeep, whatever you happen to be driving. Your dashboard has dials and gauges and little flashing lights, we call idiot lights, that are installed to indicate problems. Now, you may not want those gauges and dials and lights to indicate a problem. It's understandable. We don't want to feel our fear. But we're better off knowing that there's something we do not know or understand than driving down the road completely unaware of the problem. So the light goes off or the gauge indicates an issue. You may have to think it through. You may have to discern it further. But clearly my point is that you're not better off by masking the dashboard with heavy brown wrapping paper so you can't see the negative indicator. You can't feel the fear, in other words, and now nothing can go wrong in your life. To ignore our fear, our stress and anxiety, to deny it, to use drugs and alcohol or to be a workaholic or any one of a dozen other strategies to ignore and deny our fear and therefore pretend we're not afraid and not stressed or anxious or nervous is a fool's strategy. Covering over the dashboard or turning the radio up real loud so you can't hear the car making a funny noise is obviously not in your interest. You want to see that gauge, that dial, that idiot light as soon as possible. Even though you may not want it to happen, if it does, you want to know as soon as possible because it's an indication that something is about to go south or maybe already creating a problem for you. So pull over to the side of the road and get it fixed. That's what your fear and stress is. So we need to become very sensitive to anxiety and stress, worry and apprehension, nervousness, even the tiniest little sensation in your body. Breathe into it. Relax. Turn your attention inward and ask yourself, that's really all you need to do, breathe, relax, and ask yourself, what is this about? Don't wait for it to become this big overwhelming fear that keeps you awake at night, that causes you ulcers, and leads to all manner of illness and disease. Have you ever wondered why we call illness Disease, sure, there are bugs and germs and mutagens and carcinogens and such, but there's also attitude, and the mind-body connection is well-proven and well-studied, in some cases for hundreds of years, but in particular in the last few decades. And so there is a reason that for 400 or 500 years, Illness has been called dis-ease. 
suggesting that good health comes from being at ease. So don't ignore or deny or drink away or smoke reefer or whatever is your strategy for denying fear. Face that fear, even if it's just a little nervousness or worry or anxiety. Breathe into it, relax, open yourself to it, and ask yourself, perhaps in a closed-eye, contemplative, reflective state, what does this nervousness, this anxiety mean? I know all fear is panphobia. I know all fear is fear of things unknown. And rather than be afraid of everything, I want to use it to understand what I don't know. For understanding is the antidote to fear. Love casts out fear, not emotional love, but the spiritual love that is peace, understanding, consciousness, and awareness. I hope that makes it clear in a little nutshell for you. So thanks to the folks listening to the free forum via podcast or Stitcher on demand. And for our tuition-based people, stay tuned because we have a whole lot more. We're going to develop this idea, talk a little bit more about the way panphobia or panophobia or omnophobia manifests in our lives. And then we're going to play a program from our archives featuring my business partner Steve Snyder and myself called The Many Faces of Fear. So stay with us for that. And again, thanks very much for being here and do respect your courage for listening to a program about fear. I bet most people are afraid to do it. <laughs> Be gentle, love life. Take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.